Hello and welcome to Never Seen It, a podcast about movies we haven't seen yet. I'm one of your hosts, Betsy, and with me, as always, is my husband and my co-host, Trent. Hey, Betsy. So, Trent, guess what? What? It's a very special episode today. It is? Because we are watching our 100th movie. Yeah. Not in general, not in just life, but for the podcast. (laughs) For this here podcast, never seen it. Yes. So, today, we are watching one that you have not seen. No. We are watching The Sixth Sense. Yep. Because somehow in your lifetime, you have managed to avoid watching not just any movie. You've not seen a single M. Night Shyamalan movie. No. (laughs) So, Trent, tell me, for this very special episode, (laughs) how is it that you have not watched that particular movie, The Sixth Sense? Um, (laughs) Yes, we, uh, we, we chose this movie very specifically. Because it's just one of these cultural touchstone movies that everybody was talking about and joking about back when it was new. And, you know, this was before Shyamalan became M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah, right. And he's going to be making movies for the next two decades where there's always going to be a twist because... His first movie that made him famous, there's a huge twist. He's the guy with the twist in his movie. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And lest we uh, have any listeners out there who, like Trent, have somehow managed to go 23 years without seeing this movie, we usually don't do spoilers in the intro, but there's going to be some stuff we're talking about here. So, you know, turn back now if if you you haven't watched this movie. If you somehow know less than I do... Without seeing the movie, then congratulations. Con- con- congratulations. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I know the twist in this movie. I know, I think, almost all the twists in all of his movies. Just Probably. because I just wanted to ruin it for myself, so I didn't want <laughs> to sit down and watch his movies. Now, the reason why I haven't seen it, the first one, I don't have a clue. I think at the time that it came out, I just wasn't going to a lot of movies, And by the time it was maybe available more freely to me, I already knew the twist, so why the fuck do I care? You didn't see the point? No. It's Haley Joel Osment and Bruce Willis. Yep. Haley Joel has a thing where he can see dead people. And Bruce Willis is dead. (laughs) He's one of those people he can see. And we, the audience, can see them as well. So, but you don't know. Any I don't other know context. any other context other than those few pieces of info. Okay, so this is one I'm really going to be interested in how you feel about it, how it's perceived, mm-hmm. because you, the viewer, watching it, knowing the twist ending, right? Watching it is going to be different than us in 1999, who had no idea it was coming. Right. And some people were smart. I've heard some stories where they were like, I think this is what's happening, and they figured it out before you got to the end of the movie. Sure. Uh, But when it's been, you know, 20 some odd years, and you've known this for 20 some odd years, Mm -hmm. how you are going to watch it and if you're going to pick up on this. I'm very curious how the rest of the movie is going to be. because this movie, yeah. this movie is beloved. It has got like an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes right. or something. It's really liked among the general populace. Now, this is before Shyamalan became so far up his ass about himself. <laughs> um, he became a little bit of a parody of himself. Yeah, and there's like a lot of like documented evidence of him just being all about himself. Mm-hmm. And the fact that so many other people and the studios and whatever else, they just keep wanting another, another sixth sense. And so far, he hasn't delivered. He's gotten close. Like, I think they're... There are movies that aren't bad. Like, a lot of people don't realize that Unbreakable is actually... It's a pretty good movie. I've heard Unbreakable is really good. I've heard Split was really good. I've heard Split is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. His more recent stuff, he's kind of had a little bit of a comeback. But then he put out, what is it, Old? 
where there's a beach that makes you old. Right. <laughs> I don't know how that one is. I don't think yeah. it's terrible. I don't but... think it got pretty good reviews. But... No, no, it's it's very. He doesn't always miss. have a deft touch. Like the sixth sense, he gets away with it because it's the first time nobody had seen it before. Exactly. Yeah. And I haven't watched this movie in a really long time, like mm. a really long time. I yeah. think it's probably been since before you and I were dating was the last time I watched this movie. So sure. I'm very curious to see how this holds up, if it still has the scare factor, the the uh, thriller factor, mm-hmm. if it's just cheesy as hell. I and, don't know. And what I'm curious about is, is this movie at, at all rewatchable? It used to be. I thought it was because, of course... Watching it the first time, I saw this in the theater. Yeah. I didn't know what was going to happen at the end. Mm -hmm. And when you know what's happening at the end, you watch it differently because then you're looking for it. Mm -hmm. So that's when I'm really going to be curious for you, who has never watched this movie. I have the one nugget of information. That's it. And as it's going to be presented to me, I'm really curious as to how I feel about the whole premise Mm-hmm. because I'm going to know that little nugget of information and I'm going to keep it in the back of my head, but I'm going to try to have an open mind here. Yeah. I'm expecting to like it to a point. Now, I have to separate my opinion of the dude and how he makes his most recent movies and the aura around him. Right. <laughs> We've, yeah. We could do an entire series of just his movies and yeah. you will absolutely hate some of them. I oh, guarantee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm curious about this one. Um, what? Ma'am, no. <laughs> That's more on Mark Wahlberg, though. That's Mark Wahlberg. Uh, yeah, and I know there's at least... Two more actors in this movie that you will recognize. One in okay. a major role. One yeah, because those two people, I do not know of anybody else but I, the kid I, and Bruce Willis. I definitely can confirm there are two more people. One of them, I don't know if you will realize who it is. Okay. I'll just phrase it that way. Really young or like made up somehow. I didn't know a certain person was in this movie for years after the fact. All right. So I will leave it at that. All right. Any other parting thoughts, things you've heard? How how you feeling about this one? <laughs> Again, this is our hundredth movie. We wanted to choose a good one, a one that our entire audience, I would say, has seen this movie. So it's going to be really curious to know what the reaction of me is going to be and of the audience. Fair enough. So, so yes. we're going to go, we're going to watch The Sixth Sense, and we will be right back. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do
somebody or he's in a room with somebody and he's just never acknowledged. It looks like you have entered the scene like at the end of the scene. We missed right. the meat and potatoes and mm -hmm. now they're just sitting there waiting. Right, when Tony Collette and him are in their house, yep. her house, where with, uh, with Cole... Cole comes in and it's like they had just finished having a conversation. Right. And they're just waiting for Cole to come home. Right. When in reality, yeah. she's just there alone. By herself. Nobody's actually there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. And then there's other scenes like that where he's in the basement and there's somebody knocking at the door and he mm -hmm. keeps hollering, Are you're you going to get, get that? that? Yeah. You're going to get that? Yeah. Well, it's because she is the only one in the house and she'll get it or not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's kind of her thing. Right. So yeah, there's a lot of sequences like that where it's like, oh, I see what's happening here. Mm -hmm. um, and as I told you before, there was more people in this movie than you realize. So obviously Tony Collette. Yeah, I have never seen Tony Collette so young. This is the first thing I saw Tony Collette in. I'm sure it's a lot of people's first time. Probably. She's really good in this movie. She's just really good. She's in general, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, she was nominated for Best Supporting Actress for this movie. Really? Really. Wow. And I think if you watch this performance, it is worthy of the nomination. Yeah. The scene with the two of them in the car where, uh -huh. she's, where he's telling her his mm -hmm. secret mm -hmm. is very, it's a very emotional moment. Right. And she's just, you know, this uh, di divorced mom, single mom, mm -hmm. doing the best she can with working her son. She had just revealed that she was working two jobs. Yep. And, and her this, son is very troubled. This kid is like troubled to hell and she doesn't know what else to do. And I, I can, I, I can identify with her, but I can, I can empathize with her. Right. The, the thing that I found amazing after this movie was I saw this movie and then I found out she's Australian and that mm, blew my right. fucking mind. <laughs> right. I don't think we've ever seen her in anything where she has her natural accent. I have seen one. Her big break was a movie called Muriel's Wedding and it is an Australian movie and it's from like 1994 and she's like 20 some years old, mm -hmm. still has like her little baby fat cheeks yeah. and she's very young. So that was a few years even before this, yeah. but this was the first thing I ever saw her in. Mm -hmm. Speaking of Academy Awards, Haley Joel Osment was also nominated for this movie. I, I can see why. Again, Best Supporting Actor. Yeah, and you can kind of tell when something is written for a child and something is written for an adult. Mm -hmm. And this was a a combination of both, I think. An, because a grown-up child. Haley Joel Osment yeah. is a child. He's like eight years old or something. Something like if that. that. And he's dealing with something that no one else really can. Yeah, they don't you know, see it. They don't understand it. They all think he's insane. Or or he's just kind of a weird kid, mm -hmm. which is understandable because he is. He's very weird, yes, but so, not by choice. Right, and when you're, when you're thrust into a situation like that as a child, how else do you deal with it? You have to grow up and become that adult, mm -hmm. or it's just not going to get dealt with. <laughs> you know, in, in just in general. So how else do you deal with it except hide hide from it? Right. But I think he's very good in this movie also. I agree. For, for child acting, child actors have a certain kind of, that phrase has a certain connotation. Uh -huh. Like a lot of people say, oh, well, they're just kids and they don't really know how to act or whatever. Yeah. They're actors, just like adults are. Absolutely. And some are better than others. Yeah. And I think in this movie, he's very good mm -hmm. and he is emoting and he is terrified and you get a lot of character out of this little boy yeah and that's hard to do when yeah. you're like nine years old and you know it, it's it's a blessing and a curse when it comes to child actors because after this movie he just didn't get a lot of work. He did for like the two to three years after this. So right, like he right. Made, they wanted that kid. They didn't want right. him as an actor. He made AI. He yeah. made secondhand lions. He made... But he was cast as a child actor, not yeah, as just an actor. Pay it forward. Sure. And now he's in weird comedies. But guess what? He sort of embraced this side. Sure. 
I, I kind of love the stuff that Haley Joel Osment is doing now. He, yeah. he has ac- accepted he's not going to be nominated for more Academy Awards. <laughs> he's, he's kind of grown up and said, all right, I'm just going to be the funny, weird guy now. Right. I'm going to take the thing that you want me to do, but I'm going to do it really well in my own way. Yeah. Like the, the most recent thing that we've seen him in, he was on the What We Do in the, T- the Shadows TV show. He was yep. only on there for like one or two episodes. Oh, yeah. He usually shows up for like one thing. He was on an episode of The X-Files when they rebooted that a couple mm. of years ago. Oh, okay. In the in the In the, the most reboot. recent season. Okay. He was in one of those episodes. Uh, I think he did some drunk history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he shows up in a lot of quirky, weird little things now. Yeah. So he's he's come a long way <laughs> from his Academy Award nominated performance. I hope he got paid. I, I hope he got points on this thing. <laughs> right. Um, you also saw, uh, I kind of forgot about this. Misha Barton is in this movie. Right. We saw her in the opening credits and I have no idea where she was. She was the little girl who was being poisoned by her oh. mom or her stepmother. Okay. She, she's like 12 here, 11 okay. or 12 years old. Yeah. Very skinny and, you know, made up to look very sickly. Mm-hmm. So that's why she's kind of unrecognizable because this is a couple years before she, the OC. Yeah, she's only on screen for a very short time. Yes, she's easy to miss. Did you place Donnie Wahlberg? Yeah, he was the, the 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 crazy guy at the beginning. He was, but I didn't know that was Donnie Wahlberg when I saw this movie. No, nobody knew who Donnie Wahlberg was. Because he is emaciated. He yeah, dropped he so much weight, and his hair is very different, and he has, like, no eyebrows. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know that's Donnie Wahlberg, he's unrecognizable. And I think I had probably seen this movie four times before somebody was like, no, no, that's Donnie Wahlberg. Yeah. And you know what? It's the accent actually gave it away for me. Really? Yeah. Cause he's, because he's also he's talking almost this... unrecognizable yeah. when he is that skinny and he doesn't have his hair. And you know, he's done a lot more since then, uh, since this movie, obviously, but I don't really know him from Adam. I've never really seen anything he's been in. But I know who Donnie Wahlberg is right. by association with his brother and his hamburgers. New kids on the block <laughs> and blue bloods. <laughs> yeah, blue bloods is the only thing. So that being said, it gave him away just by his accent. But he's also doing this kind of like mousy, reedy kind of voice that is not the way he normally speaks. No, 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 no. So you're again, right. he's really acting in a way that you're not used to seeing from him. Sure. So there's kind of a lot of that in this movie. Um, I also realized that you you would know the wife, Bruce Willis's wife in this movie. Yeah, she looked really familiar. She's in Rushmore. She's the teacher in Rushmore. So if you and know, I've only seen Rushmore once. If you know her from anything, it would be that. But I know she's in some other things too. If mm-hmm. I went and dug down her IMDb I would I would page. have to dig into it. But I've definitely seen her face. Yeah, in the very least, I know you've seen her in Rushmore. Okay. So a very uh, a lot of names you definitely know, a lot of people you definitely mm-hmm. recognize. Yeah. And then, of course, in one scene, M. Night Shyamalan himself uh, shows up. Because yeah. here's the deal, and we touched on this in the introduction. He fancies himself a new, uh, like a modern Hitchcock. And that was a thing that Alfred Hitchcock would always do, is he sure. would have a little cameo in his movies. So M. Night Shyamalan always has a little cameo in his movies. Mm-hmm. And they always take and place in Pennsylvania, of... specifically in Philadelphia. Really? really? Okay. Oh, yeah, they're either in Philadelphia proper, yeah. or they are in Pennsylvania because so that's where he's from. He's doing the he's doing the Stephen King thing where everything he, is in he's Maine. He's doing the Kevin Smith thing. He's, he's doing, everything in New Jersey. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's a thing these directors do because you know what you I was, and I was you write just, what you know. I was just just gonna say, there's a lot of directors who do this. Yes, I mean Tarantino does the same thing. He puts himself in, the, in into his movies. Not um, always. But not always. M. Shyamalan almost always does. At least in this era. He shows up in, I think, every single one of his first, like, four or five movies. Sure. He doesn't do it anymore. I think pe- he realized that people were like, that's really stupid. Get off the screen, dude. You are very distracting. Yeah. <laughs> it's one thing if if you're just, like, a voice on a phone and I never see you. Or Kevin Smith is being his Kevin Smith self. Right. He has a specific yeah. character you expect to show up. Sure. And he's always paired with somebody. And like, and like Tarantino in his movies, he's, like, a very, very bit character. 
If he's there at all. If he's there at all, yeah. I was very I'm surprised for him to show up in like Django Unchained when he shows up. Yeah, that he is did, weird. Yeah, and he didn't need to be there. That no. could have been anybody. Yes, that could have been literally anyone else. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think about, um, you know, I think about Pulp Fiction. I think about um, Reservoir Dogs. He's one of the he's one of the dudes in the crew in, in Reservoir Dogs, and he has very very little to do uh, in Pulp Fiction. He's the guy screaming the N word constantly. <sighs> yeah, I, I I hope that he regrets that scene. <laughs> I won't I won't spoil major things, but the significance of M Night Shyamalan within his own movies grows, like to the point where in one movie he is a major plot point, and it's probably the worst of his movies. So I won't elaborate on that because we'll okay. probably watch it eventually. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like one thing when he shows up as the doctor and nobody knew who he was. It's another right. five, six years down the road where he's like a major character. It's like, in his oh, own stop movie. it. Shut oh, stop up. It. Go away. <laughs> no one wants you here. Shamalama Ding Dong. <laughs> especially in movies like this where there is a tension. Yes. And if you were taken out of that tension at all, it could ruin it for you. Yeah. Did you feel tension watching this movie? No. Not at all. No, because I thought a lot of the, like, you know, in movies like this, the music tends to be the tension builder. Yes. And I think it was done very cheaply. Interesting. And and to the point where it's like an imitation. I mean, it's very, horror is hard. I think it's very Mm -hmm. predictable. Yeah. And so the music that goes along with it. Mm Mm-hmm. It, it's all kind of always cut from the same cloth. Right. And it's James Newton Howard. He's a tremendous composer. And I don't think it's bad. I just think no, maybe I don't think it's you're, bad either. You're but... viewing it from, I've heard this before. Sure. And, I've and, seen and this I'm before. coming from this from a, uh, from a perspective that I don't really like movies like this. I'm not really into thrillers. I'm not into scary movies or anything like this. Mm-hmm. I can appreciate it. Once in a while. From afar, once in a while. But again, I'm coming from this, knowing what the twist is, and being able to pick it apart from afar. I I really try to let myself be in that 1999 mindset. I will say, if this was shown to me in 1999, I probably would have had a better time. Probably. Because... I wouldn't have the context. I wouldn't have all the movies that he's done since then. I wouldn't have all of the, the late night comics doing their shtick about I see dead people. Yep. <laughs> and SNL and whatever else. You know, it's just become that part of the culture. Like you were just singing on the way back down to, to our <laughs> studio. The the jizz in my pants thing from the Lonely Island. When Bruce Willis was dead at the end of Sixth Sense, I jizzed in my pants. Exactly. <laughs> like that's literally exactly. A <laughs> oh. So it's impossible for me to remove myself from that. But let that all being said, I think if I was in that mindset in 1999 or soon afterwards, I I think I would have probably had a much better time. I can see why people really like it. I think I, I'm not going to be one of these guys who th- who thinks that this is just a terrible movie. It's not. No, it's this, really not. This was nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. <laughs> like, it is It is a crafted movie. There's thought that went into this. There is a lot of uh, the use of the color red. Did you notice this kind of running theme? I started to notice it in the last half of the movie. I was taking copious notes because it kept happening so much. And it's one of those things that you probably don't notice the first time, but because I've seen this so many times, I notice it more and more. Now, I will say that the one thing that I wrote down about the color red was the mother slash stepmother, whoever, was poisoning the kid. Yes. Why the fuck would you wear a red suit or red anything to your daughter's funeral? Because you're a terrible person and you're trying to attract attention to yourself. Yeah. Because it's Munchausen by proxy. Yeah. That's literally what was going on there. Right. So she wants more attention even at her daughter's funeral. Right. And they never really say if it's his daughter or stepdaughter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You are charged with taking care of this child in whatever capacity that you are. Yeah. So there's a lot of moments where it's, it's an appearance of a ghost in some capacity. So like the very first time... 
that Malcolm meets Cole, mm -hmm. Cole runs into a church with red doors. Okay. Uh, at the birthday party, when he gets locked in the closet, he's wearing a red sweater yep. and there's a red balloon. Yeah. Um, when his mom notices in the family photos, there's always this little shimmer in mm -hmm. every photo at every age. She yeah. has really red fingernails. Uh, when he's in the kitchen and she walks out and all the cabinets are opened again, almost every food item in there is red. Hmm, I didn't notice that. Oh, yeah. It's like spaghetti sauce and cereal boxes and things that don't belong in the same cupboard. And Pop-Tarts. And Pop-Tarts, but they're all red. Okay. And then when she closes everything, the one cupboard that she's actually grabbing something from, that stuff's not really red. So it's just a whole lot of stuff. Like when he's late, quote unquote, for his anniversary dinner, yeah. his wife is wearing a red dress. Uh, when Cole is in his room, he has a red tent that he hides out in. Yeah. And it's usually, usually associated with when a ghost is appearing. Mm -hmm. There's some affiliation with that. Right. And there's also the cold snap that happens whenever there's some kind yep. of ghost thing happening. Right. Uh, there's also some other parallels. So like at the beginning of the movie, when Vincent Gray is in their house, mm -hmm. he has a gray streak of hair. He has white hair. And Cole also has that. Did you notice this? No. So right behind his right ear, he has a patch of hair that is a different color from the rest of his hair. Okay. Because this is something that happens in real life. A lot of times if people have a really traumatic experience, yeah. their hair changes color. Yeah. And it might be completely or it might be a streak. And they right. both have that. So, yeah, there's a lot of layers and thought that went into this movie. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think um, being that I've only seen this the one time, I'm sure there's plenty of you know, material out there that I could go out and, and, and read about how this movie was made and what all the little quirks are, and I'll probably go and... Uh, Let's read, go a read, YouTube video. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll read the, the IMDb uh, like trivia page. I always like doing that after we watch one of these. So... You know, th those are the, the the kinds of things that I would have sought out if I was like super into the movie and I wanted to learn more. But as it as it is in 2022, uh, it doesn't make me want to go and watch others uh, other of his movies. And they're all pretty different. Yeah. But unfortunately, he became known pretty quickly as the guy with the twist. So sure. you kind of, at this point, expect something to happen. Right. Like, even back then, in 2002 and 2004, I'm sitting in the theater watching The Village, and I'm, like, waiting for the twist. Sure. What's the twist? Yeah. Show me the twist. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's coming, so where is it? Right. Uh, and same thing with Unbreakable. I think you would actually like Unbreakable. And I think that one, because it's a little more under the radar, has not been completely spoiled the way some of his other movies have been. Or it's like, I know like the thing about, what is it, um, signs. There's like aliens and there's a thing with water. Yeah, see, and you have, like, yeah. those notes, but they don't mean anything They don't, they don't. It's and not as big a spoiler as like the happening Bruce is the, Willis with the is trees. dead. <laughs> yeah, it's know? like the happening with trees. Oh, the happening is a fucking terrible movie. Yeah. It is awful. And this is, this is what's so terrible about this. I have seen so many of these in the theater because at my, you know, ripe old age of 18 or whatever, 14 to 21, while he was still pretty relevant, mm -hmm. I... I still had hope that I was going to enjoy his his works. <laughs> well, that's the thing. All these studios, they've been just trying to capture that moment again. They keep throwing money at M. Night Shyamalan, asking him, hey, make us another Sixth Sense. Right. You can do it. I know well, you've done it before. And did you see the people who produced this movie? Yeah. Kathleen Kennedy is and one of them. And Frank Marshall. Those yeah. are the... They are the partners that always make Steven Spielberg's movies. I know. Exclusively. Like, though, he will not make a movie if it's not with Kathleen Kennedy yeah. and Frank Marshall. <laughs> so, yeah, this is a big studio. These are big names mm -hmm. backing this guy. And I wonder, like, how, how did this come to be? Like, you are a no-name director slash writer. Ha you have to be, unless you know somebody. How did this get made with this giant production house? 
And you know, it's not like he hadn't been in the business. He had been working. Uh, the same year that this movie came out, M. Night Shyamalan also wrote Stuart Little. <laughs> For some reason, I knew that. And... <laughs> I was trying to think of it. I was like, it was something really weird, something not in this vein. Right. <laughs> Just something to put your name on something or like have have your impact uh, made in the industry so that you can point to as, oh, I did that. That was a success. So you should give me a ch- give me a chance. And, hey, read this script I wrote. And sometimes it's they make like a short film. So a lot of times people make like a 20, 30 minute movie. Yeah. And then people see the potential and they react positively to it. And then it gets greenlit to make a full feature. Sure. So a lot of times that's how it happens too. It's like it's like a pilot for a TV show. And yeah, again, 1999, this movie blew people's fucking minds. Yeah. This movie had, like, think, when had you seen a movie where we're going to kill the main character? In, like, the first, <laughs> like, ten minutes. But we're not going to tell you we did it until yeah. the end of the movie. Right. Like, tell me a movie like that. Right. That you had seen in 1999. Yeah. And, and it's it's very strange. And I think, you know, in, in that mindset, you're, may, you're maybe not thinking, oh, well, he got shot. So what happened? Like, <laughs> no, they just say the next fall, the next fall, he clearly and survived and it's all okay. Right, and he's just sitting on a park bench stalking this little boy. <laughs> yeah. You and know? he was referred to him and he's got notes on the patient. So it all just right. seems very normal. Right. Like you're not going to address the fact that you just got shot in the belly. No, no. Right. And, and like you said, there's, there's tons of scenes where he's like interacting with people, but he's not really interacting with them. They're not interacting with him. Right. So it looks like they're making eye contact when in fact, they're just looking past him. And when his wife says a happy anniversary, she's saying it to a ghost. To the, who who isn't actually there. Ether. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Not to him. No. Or like. Uh, when when he goes to where his wife works and mm-hmm. she's kind of moving on and she's sort of having this thing with a guy she works with or it's like maybe right. got some potential. Yeah. And he freaks out and he breaks the glass. So he has some ability to interact with the world around him. Seems like that. But they can't see him. Mm-hmm. So it just looks like this glass spontaneously combusted. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean... Kind of happens if the heating and and cooling elements are correct. <laughs> right. Yeah, and and there are moments where he just goes home, and you know sees his wife. Like there's one one moment he goes home and their wedding video is on the TV being played on a VHS tape, I guess. Mm-hmm. And like she had been watching it, but then she's gonna go and take a shower. While she's in the shower, he's there watching her creepily. And and also notices that there's this bottle of Zoloft. Red pills. Okay, fine. Or at least red bottle. <laughs> yeah, they're red pills. Yeah. Yeah. So again, red. Right. Which, by the way, this came out the same year as um, American Beauty. Also, a lot of red motifs in that movie too. Yeah, it's a very bright, vibrant it's color. It's a striking color that will be noticed, yeah. but you have to use it. So when you're using it intentionally, it stands out. Totally. Yeah. But yeah, he, there's this this moment where he he realizes that his wife is taking an antidepressant, mm-hmm. and it should be concerning to him. But there's no like he's just kind of like no no pun intended. He's just kind of floating on here, not really doing anything, and not really interacting with her, and and he's not like putting two and two together that. Well, there's something odd here. Well, right. And he even says, like, I can't seem to keep track of time these days. Right. And he see the, uh, the little boy Cole says they see what they want to see. Mm-hmm. He can never get into his office in the basement. Well, it's mm-hmm. because that there's like a bookshelf. She's moved something in front of it to block it. Right. And so that's why. But you never actually see him open it. He nope. just ends up in the basement mm-hmm. because he sort of wills himself down there. Right. Yeah, it's little moments like that. So one thing that bothers me about this, and I mean, you know, maybe it's maybe it's just the way it is sometimes, but if you had a traumatic experience, like seeing your own spouse murdered and then somebody killed themselves in your bathroom, mm-hmm. why would you continue to live there? Yeah. 
oh, that would upset me. Mm -hmm. If you were murdered in front of me, Trent, I couldn't live here anymore. I would hope not. I would be fucked up already, let alone living at the scene of the crime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's just one of those things. And I know for the the plot of the movie, it's important that she be in that same place. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> in reality, mm -mm, I couldn't do that. I mean, she's certainly not sleeping on the bed. Uh, not, no, she's kind of shown sleeping on the couch a lot. Yeah. Because she's really messed up. Yeah. That really messes her up. Yeah. And when you, when you get to the end of the movie, you understand why she's so messed up. Mm -hmm. But you don't know that until then. Of course. Yeah. Well, Trent, any other thoughts about this movie? Anything else that you noticed or any feelings you had? Yeah, there was um, a couple of moments where we finally start seeing these dead people that Cole is seeing. Right. And again, this is done strategically, so nothing is happening. Like, things are happening to him, but we don't see it. And it's not until he actually says, I see dead people, right. that we start seeing them, too. Sure. And even and and Bruce Willis, his character, he doesn't see him either. Yeah, the only one who can actually see these dead people is Cole. But we, as an audience, are able to see what Cole is starting to see at, like, the last third of the movie. And we see... I remember I don't remember the, the the sequence of events of like who is who is there but we get this this kid saying hey let me show you where my dad keeps his gun and he turns around and apparently the gun had gone off yeah the back of his head's the blown back off. of his head is blown off you get the I think maybe the first one we see is the woman in the kitchen in the in the kid's kitchen turned around like wearing a bathrobe and was like screaming about, it's like, look what you made me do. And she's like showing her wrists. She had like slit her wrists. Right. And, and she's, she's like, been beaten by her husband. Right. Yeah. Yelling at her husband saying this, look what you made me do. You're, you've always been a bad husband. Mm -hmm. And like he tells the teacher that they used to hang people at their school. Right. And he, there's one scene where he sees them hanging there. And they're awake. They're aware. They're looking at him. Yep. And there was a fire in the theater and right. there's a woman who helps him do his makeup who's got half her face burned off. Right. So it's it's some disturbing shit for a child to see. Right. And he's like, by the end of it, he's like just kind of going with it. But once he accepts it, he becomes happy. Like yeah. he's so much happier at the end of the movie. He has an absolute arc yeah. where he's figured it out. And he can at least get through life now and not be so terrified. Right. So I want you to, to try to explain something to me. We, okay. we kind of stopped in the middle of the movie to, to talk about this a little bit. But um, Bruce Willis had this patient, Donnie Wahlberg, and he was messed up as a kid and he wasn't able to help him. But that kid, Donnie Wahlberg's character when he was a boy, and, and I guess through adulthood, I guess, he also saw dead people. Yes. So basically, so he 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 listened to the 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 tape from one of their sessions where he had gone out. So why are we able to record the audio from dead people? I I, I don't understand that. I part. don't I don't know, Trent. I think it's just for dramatic effect. Okay. So yes, he's he leaves Vincent the patient, in a room by himself. Yeah, and Vincent had mentioned that this only happens when he's alone. Yes, he knows He knows why you're scared when you're alone because yeah. he's never alone. Right. And there's someone in the room speaking Spanish and it is recorded on the tape yeah. that he made. Yeah. So I think it's just kind of a convenient plot point thing. Like, it's terrifying. Seems like it. It's terrifying to think that you missed that detail. Like, he's been racking his brain for, you know, to him, who knows how long, years, right. months, right. Uh, to figure out where he went wrong with this kid. Mm -hmm. And it was in front of him the whole time. Right. But he didn't know to look for it. And again, he says they only see what they want to see. Maybe because he started to look for it, then he could hear it. Because maybe, he actually maybe. knew what to look for. Right. Then where is this? Why is he suggesting then, hey, kid, maybe you should start listening to these dead people 
because they want you to do something for them. Because the the voice that he hears is speaking Spanish and it says, Mm -hmm. like, please help me. I don't want to die. Right. Like he's literally asking for help in the recording. Sure. So that gives an idea. Well, maybe they just want your help. Why don't you try that and see what happens? Yeah. And when he starts doing that, it actually starts getting better for him. Yeah. And then the first time it happens, there's this... We, we already talked about the, the, the girl who was poisoned. Yep. She's puking in his tent. Yeah. Which is a very visceral, dramatic thing for someone to just show up and start puking. Right. So he helps out with trying to... I mean, this, again, it's a very convenient thing that she just happened to have recorded this incident, or one of the incidents. And she says... We don't actually see it, but she says, yeah, show this tape to my dad. Yeah. You'll, you'll find out what happened. And yeah, it's that all kind of seemed a little bit too tidy for me. Okay. Of of Cole just deciding I'm gonna start helping people and it's gonna make me happy, and I'm gonna tell my mom of all, all this stuff. And okay, I've mentioned this on this show before, but I have no problem with media like TV shows and and movies talking about death and dealing with death. I think it's a very healthy thing. It's an important thing for you to be comfortable with. Now, my favorite show is Dead Like Me. You know, it was criminally underrated. It was only on for two seasons. Um, But they deal with death in a very similar way in that there's some kind of interaction between dead people and the living. Now, you just don't know it. it. And they don't know it. And they do it in a very comical way. This here is more, I don't want to call it saccharine, but... It, it, like the the scene of them those two in the car i think was a little much but i i just don't know if that was earned <laughs> i don't know what i'm I, trying to say i think you're probably just watching this from that very cynical standpoint because you knew what was going to happen so if you're not fully engrossed in this movie everything else becomes yeah, irrelevant it it is it's, so and i totally get i didn't expect you to like this movie because I don't think it's possible to get into it when all you're doing is analyzing every frame and then you're going, oh, I get what's happening. Oh, I see what's happening. Okay, I understand what this is. Right. And (laughs) And that's the experience I had, but not until the second time. Of course. And nearing the end of the movie where they're like revealing all of the different Bruce Willis things and he's actually going back and showing you these scenes again. And reminding you of all these times, oh, he didn't actually talk to her. She didn't actually talk to him. Yep. Yeah. Yep, I was telling you the whole time, you fools. And yeah, I'm I, I'm like yelling at the TV. He's like, all right, I get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> you, M. Night Shyamalan beating you over the head. Look how smart I am. And you're yeah, dumb. You're right. the audience and you're so stupid. Yeah. So this is a uh, story. And listen, people figured this out. One of my high school classmates told me about the time her parents went to this movie and her dad literally 10 minutes into the movie wrote down something on a piece of paper and shoved it in his wife's pocket. And at the end of the movie, she takes it out and it says Bruce Willis is dead. So he figured it out immediately. So it's like you, it's not hard to notice this. It's not hard to figure this out. And the people who are going to see this movie People in general want to be fooled. They want yes. they want to be a part of something. They want to be surprised. Absolutely. I was really... When this movie came out, this was not the sort of thing I watched when I was 14. This movie came out when I was 14 years old. But there was a huge buzz around but it. But there was. And I was just enough intrigued. And I also don't really like scary movies. Yeah. I don't mind a thriller once in a while. Like a couple of these I actually have enjoyed. Like and midsummer I, last year. Right. And I Fantastic went movie. I went to this movie and I was a little apprehensive because I was like, I don't want to be scared. And right. I felt very tense and uh, like not so much scared, but it unnerved yeah. me to a degree. There's nothing scary in the movie whatsoever. No, I don't think this is a scary movie. It certainly is unnerving at times. There's some jump scares and things. Yeah. Um, but at the end of it, I was just like, "Ah, oh, shit, this is amazing because I had never seen a movie like this before. Sure, sure. Yeah, and, and I agree that, yes, in 1999, you hadn't seen a movie like this. No. And, and it wasn't done as, if, it, if you did, it wasn't done as well. Yeah. Now, I will say, 
like the way things were shot, like there was one scene as they were coming into the girl's room near the end of the movie and the shadow of the door coming in on the carpet was like just something directly out of a Hitchcock movie. Mm -hmm. It was perfectly done. It's an imitation, but it's perfectly done. It's a wink and a nod. Yeah. Yeah. Or like him reaching for the doorknob. Like yeah. that's a very old Hollywood oh, yeah. cinematic oh, trick. Yeah. And and it like it was like a very, very shiny reflective service. Except um, the edges which can obscure the camera. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it really is well done. Like this this got nominated for six Academy Awards. He yeah. got nominated for Best Director. It yeah. got nominated for screenplay. It got nominated for editing. This was a big movie in nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. And I think there's a lot to respect about it. I think there's a lot of craft and thought that went into it. But I completely understand that watching it now, as opposed to remotely close to when it came out, it's just going to be really hard to enjoy. I told you. It's never going to have the same impact. No, I had not seen this in a really long time. And... I know what's coming. I still was enjoying it this afternoon while sure. we were watching it. Sure. But I've seen, I don't watch this movie very much anymore because I've seen it so many times. And that was part of my question in the intro. Is this movie actually rewatchable? I think to an extent, yes, but only because then you can really analyze it and yeah. start picking up on all those things. But I don't think anybody's sitting around watching this movie twice a year or even once a year. Yeah. I think I watch this once a decade <laughs> and that'll be good enough for me. All right. Fair enough. Well, there you go. So that's The Sixth Sense. So we're, this is our hundredth movie that we're watching. Yeah. Uh, thank you for joining us on this. Now we're going to throw it to an email. Yeah. So uh, we've been holding on to this one a little bit. Um, uh, listeners have heard from this this. Uh, this individual a few times before, but uh, we got an email about not quite a month ago from Mitch from Saskatoon, frequent emailer Mitch, uh, and he's he's like anticipating our hundredth episode coming up. We didn't really specify how we were going to be doing it because hey, our hundredth episode was four episodes ago. Right. <laughs> this is one hundred four, but it is our hundredth movie. That's more important to us than episodes because we're going to have some specials here and there that th those don't count. So, anyway, from Mitch. Hello again. Still loving the podcast and love the choices you have been making. I love the 2002 movies because they're somewhat of a blind spot for me as well. Not exactly sure why. I mean, Star Wars Episode 2 was that year, right? Your descriptions of life back then is on point. Keep going forward. Also love Trent's relationship advice. The world needs more of it. Speak the truth. Yeah, I, I've, I've uh, kind of... If you haven't listened to any of those... I've kind of told people how I've kind of viewed the world and love lives and, and whatever else when I was that age. Stay tuned for Love and Life, a new podcast <laughs> featuring Trent. <laughs> it's an advice. It's an, it's advice, an advice podcast. podcast. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That'll never happen, by the way. Uh, it has come to my attention that you are airing podcast number 100 soon, and I simply want to send my congratulations. A few more weeks, and it'll even be the first year of podcasts. Way to go. In recognition of this historical and significant cultural event, I will soon be making a donation and a request for two more movie suggestions. Looking forward to more and more as you keep going on Trent's, I mean Betsy and Trent's, <laughs> list of movies yet to be seen. Keep on keeping on. From Mitch from Saskatoon. Thank you, Mitch. Thank you, Mitch. Uh, and via Carrier Pigeon... What, what's we, that you have, Trent? We received a letter. A real letter? A real letter. This is a piece of paper. <laughs> From Mitch. <laughs> From Mitch. Via Carrier Pigeon. Via Carrier Pigeon. Addressed to Never Seen It Pod. Here is the donation for your, your hard efforts and fantastic results as a burgeoning podcast. I love the word burgeoning. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the big word. Uh, never quit. A few requests as, as far as movies go. I'd love to get your opinion on the Liam Neeson film Cold Pursuit. Is it Taken on Ice? Is it Diet Fargo? <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to know because I loved it. You should also do another Disney. Uh, Luca or Encanto would be fine. Or perhaps you could finish Frozen 2 before winter's end. You guys rock. Here's to another 100 episodes from Mitch from Saskatoon. 
thank you very much, Mitch. We appreciate you uh, making your donation to the pod and for any of your time that you sent us an email or a letter. And for your suggestions, I am I have not seen Cold Pursuit, but there is like an entire subgenre of at Liam Neeson action movies. Yeah, because he made Taken, and then that's all people keep giving him to do now, right. which is really unfortunate. It was fun at the beginning, and now it makes me sad. But I think there's some of them that are just so absurd they're probably enjoyable. Well, it's kind of what um, Bruce Willis has been doing. Oh, lately. he's gone to the the deep end. We mentioned this in one of our previous episodes, but the Razzies actually made a category for Bruce Willis this, this year. year. Yeah, the worst Bruce worst Willis Bruce movie. Worst Bruce Willis movie that came out last year. There's like fucking eight of them. There's so many. Yeah. Because he just says yes to everything. It's it's really sad. Oh, the mighty have fallen. It's really sad. It's like, do you have like another like tax problem like <laughs> Nick Cage had? Sometimes like, I Come wonder. on, guys. I hope that's not the case with Liam Neeson. I think he still shows up in a quality movie once in a while, but yeah. there are a lot of those. So I, I haven't, it's that one. And then there's that, what is it? Ice Road or something where he's a snowplow driver oh right <laughs> and there's one called the wild or something where it's like wolves there's sure. there's some real weird that makes weird sense. ones uh yeah and then you know we'll get around to watching all of the disney ones everybody's talking about how they don't talk about bruno <laughs> <laughs> and Kanto is is kind of the big one these days, so I'm sure we'll see these eventually. Yeah, I mean, once we're out of the uh, of the uh, Oscar season, we'll we'll definitely get back into just the normal things that we've been doing, and we've we've been trying to keep up. Like we just we're doing Sixth Sense today. We did the producers last last Wednesday, and again, we're gonna get out of this this Oscar season and kind of get back into into the swing of things. We might even do another series here or there. But yeah, we've made promises here to cover some movies. Hey, if you're going to make a donation to the podcast, we are absolutely going to watch whatever you, we t- uh, whatever you tell us to watch. So <laughs> if we haven't that's, seen it, That's of a guarantee, yeah, if we haven't seen it. And if not, we'll tell you, hey, maybe pick another one. <laughs> right. Yeah. But we're always open to suggestions, so thank you, Mitch, 100%. and thank you for any other listeners out there who've who've stuck around with us. Yeah, for, or are for just, a, just a hundred, finding us. A hundred movies is a lot of movies. Uh, before we started this podcast, Betsy and I would, you know, sit down and I mean we would watch new movies on occasion if uh, the if the fancy struck us. And we would go and see the Oscar movies. Like, we've been doing that for years. We've been doing that almost 10 years now. Yeah. So, that's nothing new for us. But when we were, like, starting our relationship, like, we would show each other our movies. Like, this is a movie that I've seen that Betsy hasn't and I vice versa. I love this movie. You should watch it. You should watch this movie with me. Mm-hmm. And we would have these conversations. Like, long conversations about, like, the, the intricate details like we do in these podcasts. And we just decided, you know what? This is fun. Let's watch more movies. <laughs> and um, just just continue to have that and share it with, with friends and family. So, yeah, so we, we thank you for putting up with our nonsense. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a long time coming. And it's a lot of fun. And I, and I hope everybody else is having fun along with us. That's why we do it, kids. Yeah. Uh, but yes, if you... You yourself, dear listener, if you would like to email us and make a suggestion, make a donation, um, just tell us about your favorite Liam Neeson movie. Tell us about your favorite Bruce Willis movie. We were talking about that during the the Chasing Amy episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, email us at neverseenitpod at gmail.com. If you want our, our carrier pigeon address, you can email and ask for that. <laughs> Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, never seen it underscore pod. If you want to make the donation and support the show, click the link in the podcast description. You can make a one-time donation. You can make a monthly thing, whatever you want to do. If you don't want to do that, no big deal. You just, just share us with your friends and rate us on iTunes and all these different places that take ratings, I guess. And yeah. Yeah. This has been a hundred movies a hundred movies trend 104 episodes 100 movies almost a year thanks yeah we'll we'll be coming up to that year mark yeah. in a few more weeks i don't think we're going to be doing anything special for the no, year mark probably not uh, no it'll just be something random yeah. but there you go here's to 100 more trent indeed all right well this has been never seen it until next time i've been betsy and i'm trent and we'll see you later see ya